Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. We can't be in the same room, but a podcast can't be stopped. Cinemas are empty, the industry is fucked, but we won't log off. We're not going out, we're staying at home. And when we watch films, we watch them alone. We sit in our pants, stick on something crap, and then we hit Skype for a little chat. Little chat, little chat, little chat, little chat, little chat. Ah, we're back. We are back. We're still isolated. We are uh, healthy, I think. How are you doing? Do you have the pandemic virus? Not as far as I know. If anything, I've never been healthier. <laughs> um, how 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 has your like diets changed? Would you say it's um, it's altered under lockdown conditions? The amount of banana bread I'm ingesting these days are just it's just ridiculous. Uh, no, I think maybe it's kind of forcing a bit more adulting on me than I would you know preferably like. I have to like think about the meals I'm going to cook. Mm. And just do one shop instead of just sort of going to Tesco Metro every six hours because I just, you know, can't buy all the ingredients at the same time. It's not really just, it's not who I am as a person. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's fine, you know. It's... Yeah, I'm doing a little bit more, a little bit more cooking and so on. I would say I'm still, I haven't perfected that, that adult routine, but yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, and uh, film watching, does that continue apace? Oh, it continues apace. Been watching yeah. a lot of uh, TV. Did you watch Quiz? The Matthew McFadden, uh, he wants to be a millionaire coughing scandal. I did not. I did not. It was uh, written by J- Jamie Graham, the genius behind Brexit, the Uncivil War. Oh yeah. Uh, which we gave a pretty. Uh, we we trounced on this podcast. It was it was rubbish. Out. It was rubbish. <laughs> What's so it's funny terrible. about Quiz is that it's you can tell it's the same writer. It's like. A bit all over the place in tone, somewhere between sort of serious uh, docudrama and like farce. But whereas Brexit the Uncivil War was like very serious and featured an MP being murdered, Quiz is about a guy who tried to cheat his way to a million pounds by coughing. So the sort of subject matter suits Jamie Graham's thing a bit better. But it's still, right. it was still quite bad. It was entertaining in that it's like just actors you recognize playing people you sort of recognize and there's a certain amount of fun and michael sheen doing a pretty good chris tarrant impression uh let's play who wants to be a billionaire but it was just a bit lackluster and uh, matthew mcfadden's like i think you know after this in succession he should just always play kind of slightly crap beta males you know put the darcy's and the whatever you know the guy from spooks and the guy from ripper street stop playing playing authoritative alpha males 
only beta males from now on. That's his real strength as an actor. But it was a bit, uh, bit of a waste of time, really. It kind of, it was such a sort of quarantine watch. And uh, in addition to that, I've been watching all kinds of movies. I've got, I've got a movie account now, so I've been watching some bloody art house films and some other films which aren't remotely like that. I, uh, I'm watching a bit of TV. I've been watching the, um, uh, the third season of Castlevania on, uh, on Netflix. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back at my cartoons. Yeah, I mentioned that you were going to try and watch that. Have you? I mentioned I was going to try, and I've succeeded in watching eight of the ten episodes. Wow, I'm loving it. I think it's a great show. Highly recommend it to the listeners of Film Chat. Uh, it is suffering a little bit from Netflixitis of the pacing issues and some padding. Um, it's got it's got this weird the 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 series structure is very strange because like the first series is four episodes the second is eight the third is ten it's a bit all over the place, um, and uh, this one had a great couple of bangers to start with and then like a lot of treading water and then I think now is getting back to having plot happen, but uh, the thing that I like about it is it's got this very particular uh, tone which I which I really enjoy. I think it's just the fact that it is like 80% of the voice cast are kind of British actors with these sort of smooth voices who just are very softly spoken and and that's like the whole show and they just (laughs) keep adding new ones to the cast. So in this series, I was obviously really happy to see, um, you know, everybody was back. They're all, they all still talk like this. Oh, very good. Pretty much every, every conversation in the show is between men who talk like this. In in the first two series, uh, Dracula was the villain. And uh, Dracula's son, he was one of the good guys. They both sound like this. And there's the hunter of the monsters, and he talks like this too. Um, and then in this series, they've introduced a couple of new characters. One voiced by Bill Nye, another one voiced by Jason Isaacs. And they're, they're, doing, it, they're doing it as well. Oh, wow. They talk like this. <laughs> they just talk like this to each other all the time. Uh, and... Uh, uh, the the women are, like can't have exactly the same type of voice, obviously, but there are a lot of kind of calm, uh, posh women in it as well. So even though a lot of what the show is about is this kind of like um, uh, high melodrama vampires and monsters and people having their heads chopped off and whatnot, everyone just seems quite relaxed about it. <laughs> uh, so I find it very soothing. It's quite good, like pre-bedtime viewing. Um, and uh, the, the, the general cast... And like the way they talk gives it this make, makes you think it would be quite a serious show um, because it all sounds a bit like, you know, voiceover. It, they, they all sound like they're doing a voiceover to introduce the world of the fantasy. You know what I mean? Like they could all be yeah. hired to like do the exposition at the beginning. But it's it's got a real vein of silly humor in it. You know, it's very it's, it's kind of uh, light, some slapstick in there. And uh, I don't know, it's got an, an unusual tone and I like it a lot. I recommend. I'll add it to my watch list. Recommend Castlevania. If you're a cartoon, if you're a cartoon fan. What's the heaviest going that you've done on movie? You know, what's the... Uh... I've watched the Jean-Pierre Melville masterpiece, Army of Shadows. It's two hours and 40 minutes long. It's a big movie, big themes. It's all about the French resistance. And uh, yeah, just quite a grim watch, but really compelling. Jean-Pierre Melville is like one of those people I... It's always, like, cited in reviews. I think he's a huge influence on Michael Mann. Anything about, like, sad professionals doing a job and being a bit sad and staring out at, like, the nightscape. Any of those kind of films, which is, like, every Michael Mann movie, 
is like obviously hugely indebted to him. It's just basically kind of sparse existentialism. Is his thing? And did uh, we see? Did we see some Melville Noir? Yeah, we, we saw an early one called Le Dulo, the Hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a later period one, and I think it's generally considered to be his best film. It's basically just about a group of the French Resistance, and it sort of doesn't romanticize it at all. The sort of heroism of what they're doing is implied, but it's just like this sort of miserable, you know, war is hell, and you gotta like, it's people either sort of giving into torture or withstanding it or having the cut off contact with their loved ones or kill people and uh it's just masterfully done like really tense and uh just kind of resist any sort of easy characterization i think he was like part of the resistance movement in his youth or something so it's drawn from his own experiences oh, wow. uh yeah one to watch like if it's one of those movies where like it was on the bfi a while ago and i meant to go see it but it's like it's in like it's like two and a half hours long and it's uh, but luckily you know, four weeks into this quarantine, just my capacity to watch things has increased back to that of a normal person. And it was very, very compelling. It's also, quite distractingly, it's got Vincent Cassell's dad in it, and he looks so much like Vincent Cassell. He's a real, you know, spit of his, uh, spit of his son. The son is the spit of the father. They're all looking, this, and like, for the whole movie, I was like, what's, is this guy related to Vincent Cassell? But the movie was so good, I didn't check my phone till the end. <laughs> And at the end, I was that like, is such a, that what is a testament. Vin- that is Vincent Cassell's dad. And he is as good an actor as his son. So well, give it a watch. Yeah, Have you awesome. watched um, a really uh, deep uh, philosophical existential film on Netflix, perhaps, about a wedding? Yeah, yeah I did. Uh, you probably watched a lot of lighthearted rom-coms in your time, many of which are all around weddings. But um, I watched one that... Uh, it tears apart the temporal continuum in a way that <laughs> is absolutely mind melting. So I think yeah, a, lot, a lot of viewers might find it overwhelmingly intellectual. Um, but uh, yeah, I went for it. Watched a movie called Love Wedding Repeat. I think this might be one of the dumbest titles of any film I've seen in my life. <laughs> I think the title is a play on the tagline and maybe alternate title for the film Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, Live, Die, Repeat. Live, Die, Repeat. If you haven't seen that film or encountered that, what does, does Love, Wedding, Repeat mean anything to you? Or is it just like, <laughs> there's no there's no um, punctuation in that, by the way, either. Love it's wedding. just Love, Wedding, Repeat. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to figure it's, what it's, that could mean. It's very hard to parse it, like as a, as a phrase, like what's an adjective, what's a noun? I don't know. Anyway, it's called Love Wedding Repeat. It's a remake of a uh, 2012 um, uh, French romantic comedy. And uh, the basic uh, concept is uh, that it's a a farce set at a wedding with misunderstandings and accidental druggings and this kind of thing. Um, And it all revolves around who's sitting where at a particular table. And if the place settings are changed, then the outcome of the wedding. Right, right. Okay. Um. But having, because it has this like, uh, well, what I what I thought from the title and from like the Netflix little synopsis, I thought it was going to be like Groundhog Day where they just live through yeah, the yeah. wedding over and over again. But that only happens one time, and it happens right like an hour into this like ninety minute film. So it, it takes a very very long time for it to reach its central gimmick, uh, which is just a bit I found very very strange. Uh, and the rest of it is just an incredibly flat sort of like posh Brit um, uh, farce thing with a collection of familiar faces. Um, Sam Claflin 
and uh, Olivia Munn are in it. Uh, Tim Key, he shows up. Um, it's got Joel Fry, who was in yesterday. Yeah, as yeah. A sort of funny guy. You know, they're all funny because it's a comedy. Um, Frida Pinto, haven't seen in a while. She's in it. And uh, yeah, just really flat. Like the gags were not landing um, and a bit of a bit of a struggle to get through. Kind of made me think of um, it was like watching uh, like a, a play put on by Oxbridge undergraduates. <laughs> they're like all insanely posh and they're just at a fancy wedding in Italy. They're all wearing nice clothes. They're all good looking. And it's just not, you know, Ugh. not sparking. Would describe it as as one to to miss. That's Not as good as set it up, which I also thought was bad, but I think this is worse. Unless you have a real thing for these sub four weddings affairs, bunch of posh Brits, you know, just doing their thing, then you you would have to be really really into that basic concept, um, right? Yeah, for this for this to be a winner. This is you know, Richard Curtis has a lot to answer for. He you does, know, yeah. He's created this entire genre and it's terrible. Posh, it is terrible. Posho Brits just like not being in love with the hot one and ugh, it's awful. Why, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't have anything. There was very little going on. Felt like it was probably nice to shoot the film because they were, looks like they must have been on location in Italy and it was, seemed pretty nice. Yeah, I saw the trailer yeah. and it reminded me of like. I don't know if it's a tool like this, but that Sally Potter movie, The Party, which I've never actually seen, oh, but I remember yeah. you hated it. But they all just yeah. seems like a sort of like tax scam or something. You like everyone <laughs> turned up for a weekend in a warm weather location, and they've they've all got paid, and now it's on it Netflix. It is a bit like that. Yeah, it is like The Party, another one with like ultra low budget. No one has to. There's only one costume, you know, because everything takes place at the same. Everything's in one place. And uh, the cast, yeah, they're kind of attractive and famous, and they probably all got to hang out. I imagine, you know, they probably ate some of the food that was like props for the wedding. There's probably real champagne in those glasses. Just like when Sally Potter was trying to get uh, Killian Murphy and uh, whoever else to be in the party. She was like, it's called The Party. And that's because that's going to be the experience of shooting my film. It's just going to be hanging out in my flat. I'll make, you know, make nice canapes. It's going to be in black and white. We're saving um, money on color. We're saving money on the <laughs> color. <laughs> People will think that it's a you know very uh, a deep meaningful movie, uh, yeah. So I would, as far as um, uh, COVID froth goes, you know, stuff to just pass the time when you're not um, seeing uh, society collapse uh, outside your window. I would rank this low, low down, thumbs down for me. Okay. I love wedding repeat. Okay, you know what? That's going straight off my watch list. Take that off your watch list. I don't know. You probably had a bunch more Melvilles and this lined up. No, 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 and yeah, I was gonna be watch Love Wedding repeat, and then Le Circle Rouge, and then Le Samurai, <laughs> and then Love Wedding repeat again. <laughs> you were gonna repeat it, yeah, in a homage yeah. to the movie's brilliant concepts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we do a question? To break yeah, things up? yeah, we got a we got a really nice message from a guy called Sam Dust who hasn't messaged us before. It's always exciting. He says, "Hi, film chat, loving the pod and the new throwback isolated format." You briefly mentioned Peyton Reed's Man trilogy of Yes Man, Ant-Man, and Ant-Man and the Wasp in the last episode. What do you think the best film with man in the title is? Uh, this is a great question. A great great question. I mean, well, there's obviously all the superhero movies, right? That's almost like a subgenre of the man genre. Just... That's a key, yeah, that is a key subgenre of the man, the man genre, yeah. 
I mean, unless what you want to do is say that it has to be man as its own separate word, you know? Yeah. Which would take out Superman, but you would still have, you still uh, would be allowed to include Iron Man. What about Spider-Man? I think that's a hyphen. It's hyphen. Well, it's got a capital M, so I don't know. Your mileage may vary. The best man movie. Uh, The Wicker Man? That's a great man film. That is a really good man film. Or The Elephant Man? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Both. This is one of those things where I feel like I'm going to give an answer and then like 20 seconds later I'll be like, oh, Inside Man. I'd love to that film of Clive Owen uh, where like he refuses to repeat things. Well, I've just lo- I'm just checking on IMDb for films with man in the title, uh, and I'm not seeing anything that immediately leaps out at me as being superior to uh, the Wicker Man. Um, the Third Man is a is a oh, yeah. hard one to beat. As maybe that's the right answer. The Third Man could be the top, could be the top man film. It's probably better than Irrational Man, the Woody Allen movie. Uh, yeah, maybe... I, I, I've seen that film, and I would say. <laughs> not it, as good as the it, third it, man it's close but the third man edges it um it's also probably better than cinderella man oh yeah uh, with, uh, that... russell is that russell crowe being a boxer yeah yeah i remember uh the ron howard movie yeah um other notable man films like your grizzly man in there that's, oh, that's uh, that is excellent that's a good one maybe this is the most you know any film with man in the title is just a it's just a masterpiece i can only think of good examples Coming a single bad <laughs> film with man in the title. Danny, another man film that we have not yet mentioned is the recent uh, Elizabeth Moss starring The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. A, a take on a classic story focusing on uh, what, what the man is the, the villain rather than the protagonist. Uh, a yes. Like, a little bit like Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon, as far as I understand. But Yeah, yeah. It's like... Um... The main difference is that instead of the invisibility being as a result of a potion, it's a result of a crazy new high-tech suit. And the take, which is perhaps the most obvious one to do in the current climate, but also I think like the smartest one and the best thing of the movie, is Elizabeth Moss is basically escaping an abusive relationship at the start of the film. And then the, the guy she was in a relationship uh, kills himself... And then, but then she keeps on being taunted by some invisible spirit. She realizes it's him. He faked his own death. And so it's kind of like, there's a lot about like gaslighting and not believing women and uh, controlling behavior done in a way which I feel like in less sturdy, less sure hands could have been quite crass, but was actually gave the movie a bit of bite. And uh, yeah, Elizabeth Moss is just great. She's a... Uh, I thought she's had a very successful uh, film career post Mad Men. Maybe the, out of the whole cast. She seems to constantly be in interesting films. She's just definitely got a certain kind of like odd energy to her. And I think she makes for a good, like, just like a good horror lead in that she has to sort of react and just be like a bit terrified for a lot of the movie. But she always just makes that really compelling. And it was the movie was also. It's smart in that it sort of switches up the action. There's only a certain amount of mileage in. You know, there's a someone invisible in the room, and it sort of handles that really well. But then it's there's like a sort of turning point in the in the film, and it successfully kind of like keeps that fresh the concept. So I've, I, it was a huge hit. I can see why. It's a very it feels like um, 
I don't know, there's a sort of post-get-out thing of the sort of clever social thriller horror conceits. I know that's, you know, lots of horror movies, that's true of so many throughout history or whatever, but it felt like a very timely uh, update. I mean, I'm a bit annoyed that it's ruined the dark universe, having been a huge fan of The Mummy. I don't know how she's going to meet Tom Cruise. Maybe that will happen in the next movie. Uh, well, there's a certain... Uh, I guess it chimes with the um, thrust of this movie in a way that it, it uh, took the role away from Johnny Depp, who was yeah. lined up to be the Invisible Man. Well, well, he might be in it. We just don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the sequel. It's like there was another Invisible Man. It's like I was there the whole time. Yeah. he All of his scenes were cut. He still got his full fee, but he's not visible in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... Yeah, it was Thoroughly entertaining. I w- w- the f- opening scene is quite tense, and I was drinking a glass of wine while watching it, and I s- and I spilt the wine. That's how tense it was. There was a jump moment, and I had to pause the movie and you know like Google how do I get red wine stains out of things. You know, it was a disaster really for my girlfriend's couch. But in terms of a testament to how good the movie was, wow! Didn't check my phone in Army of Shadows. Spilt wine on myself during The Invisible Man. It's been a whole week of film experience. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like you're really is. you're really enraptured in the screen. Oh, I've, my relationship with the screen now is like that of a dear old friend. I just really <laughs> transported by yeah. it. Yeah, time uh, to take a big sip of wine and watch <laughs> the film. Yeah, yeah, that was a mistake. So if you if you download it, which you can, don't mm. uh, drink uh, something that can spill or stain. While don't don't uh, don't uh, don't press play on the film yet, Charlotte. I uh, I just want to have this enormous sip of wine. I just want I just want the, the, the delicious taste of wine swirling around my mouth as we begin the film. Uh, yeah, it was it's, a mistake. It's a, it's, a big, it's a classic mistake. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardot. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends. And the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. We got another bit of correspondence. Very exciting, you know, in these isolated times, we must stay in contact with each other. Uh, Georgia Mills, actually, she messaged me directly, but she said, you can use this as a film check question. I want you to know that she's been going behind your back talking to me. Uh, we were talking about uh, Vincent Price and the movie The Basil the Great Mouse Detective. One thing led to another. Out of the blue, she asked me, what is, <laughs> what is the best voice casting in an uh, animation and then she thought the best one was uh steve buscemi in is it steve buscemi buscemi i never know how to pronounce it buscemi buscemi as uh randall the invisible shape-shifting lizard in monsters inc okay i think i know how to make this all go away what happens when the whistle blows in five minutes uh i get a timeout. everyone goes to lunch which means the scare floor will be painted empty. It'll be empty, you idiot. And, you know, I got to agree. That's that's a hard one to beat because that's a fantastically voice cast movie. 
Like, John Goodman does have the voice of a huge, hairy, bear monster man. And Billy Crystal does sound like a big eye, I think. You know, when I see him in real life now, I'm like, it's just weird that you have two eyes and you're not green and uh, you've, got, you've got regular legs and arms and stuff. You know, it just doesn't suit your voice. Maybe they did the casting first and then they did the character design afterwards. Do you think that's possible? Yeah. <laughs> I don't Do you know. think they, they just played the sounds of the cast reading the script <laughs> to, to, to animators and they were like, just draw what comes into your mind's eye and someone was listening to billy crystal and he just drew this little frog man with a gigantic <laughs> eye perhaps but i was trying to think of what the best voice casting is i think up there would be george sanders as Shere khan because that sort of just started an entire trend for how you cast villains in animations he's yeah. he's the original he's the og silky voiced brit which then you know became jeremy irons and the lion king or they he, then or, became then became the entire voice cast of Castlevania on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. A trust in me. <laughs> uh, no, I can't be bothered with that. I, I have no time for that sort of nonsense. Uh, but I think my personal favorite is in Robin Hood, the Disney one. It's like Peter Ustinov as uh, King John, but then Terry Thomas, the sort of British comedy character actor, who famously had like a big gap in his teeth. So he's got a lisp, playing his little snake underling. Yeah, man, he already sounded like a snake. Such brilliant casting. Whoever, whoever thought of getting a, a, a man with a lisp to voice a snake, you know, that guy deserves early retirement. Sire, you have an absolute skill for encouraging contributions from the poor. <laughs> to coin a phrase, my dear counsellor, rob the poor to feed the rich. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, uh, what is the next stop, uh, Sir Hills? Um, let me see. Uh, I, oh, yes, the next stop is Nottingham, sire. Oh, the richest plum of them all. Nottingham. <laughs> Have you got any favourite vocal performances? Morris the Marsh doing Orson Welles as uh, The Brain from Pinky and the Brain. I'm a, bit, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, he's I amazing. It's a, it's a, he's a great voice actor who's doing an impression of a famous actor as a mouse that's like a megalomaniac. As usual, Pinky, you miss the point. In Italy, under the Borgias, they had 30 years of murder, bloodshed, and warfare, and they produced indigestible noodles, boring operas, and the fiat. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love, 500 years of democracy and peace, and what did they produce? The Swiss bank account, the best cheese in the world, and Heidi. Precisely, Pinky. And you've also reminded me of one of my favourite vocal performances, which is Morris LaMarche as, the, as Mr. Big, the Arctic Shrew from Zootopia. Oh yeah, that's really funny. Another, another impersonation-based gag, but great one. Just amazing. Scene-stealing. He's only in the movie for about a minute, but I just constantly quote uh, that movie. His scene. It's so great. You come here unannounced on the day my daughter is to be married. Well, actually, we were brought here against our will, so... <laughs> Point is, I, I did not know that it was your car, and I certainly did not know about your daughter's wedding. No. I trusted you, Nikki. I welcomed you into my home. We broke bread together. Grandmama made you a cannoli. And how did you repay my generosity? With a rug made from the butt of a skunk. A skunk butt rug. You disrespected me. 
You disrespected my grandmama, who I buried in that skunk butt rug. I think um, Ben Whishaw as Paddington, that's a good vocal performance. It's true, yeah. He does have the voice of a charming little bear, doesn't he? He's doing, he's got the same kind of uh, softly spoken, well spoken uh, type guy as your Jeremy Irons and your Shia Khans, but he just sounds really genuinely comforting. Yeah, it's true. I would like to see Ben Whishaw play a, a tiger or lion who is evil. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe or a bear. An evil bear, an evil bear as well. Uh, I mean, he's a, he is the nice bear, so seeing him play an evil bear would be, uh, it would be, you know, something that I'd enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as you enjoy it. I don't ask for much. I just want Ben Whishaw to voice an evil bear in a film. Because I'm a man of simple tastes. A man can dream. A man can dream. My name is... Beg your pardon? Right. Well, go on. Hmm? You try it. Fuck up the throat. Mr. Brown. That is extremely rude. Dan, we've been chatting for a while, but before we before we uh, log off, yeah, um, switch our mics off. Let's just go quickly back over the um, uh, what has sprouted out from Mark Wahlberg into just general, like I guess, action films or like dumb macho movies on Netflix. Yeah, that we've been watching uh, with a bunch of other guys and bantering along with some great great WhatsApp messages. So I missed the. Uh, last but one of these which was six underground the michael bay film oh my god and uh, we subsequently watched firewall so uh tell me a little bit about about six underground since i was not able to see it okay it's it's an it's a terrible terrible film it's like appalling i can't i don't think anyone could hand on the heart say they enjoyed it it's like michael bay given full creative control is it's like a match made in hell it's completely incoherent it's like the, the amount of editing in it is just ridiculous. You can't understand what the hell's going on. The plot isn't like complete nonsense. Ryan Reynolds is like a billionaire invented like a special type of magnet. And then he sit, <laughs> and then he sees like some atrocities in just foreign lands. And uh, he's like, I know what to do. I'll fake my own death. And then I'll recruit a bunch of uh like sexy women and just regular men into a sort of elite task force and we're gonna like kill the bad guys jet setting around the world and mainly europe and uh explode things i just had no it was like two hours long i just had no idea what was going on at any one point ryan reynolds is like endlessly sort of mugging he doesn't know what's going on either he's just sort of doing his deadpool thing things are exploding fast cars like women being objectified douchey bros like weirdly like like improv sounding dialogue like michael bear's like you know just do some uh, do some bants and then like you know and then a car explodes and then just absolute fucking it's like more so than perhaps suicide squad i think that's the last movie i watched where i was like what the hell has happened here like nobody was in control the lunatics have taken over the asylum just absolute nonsense it sounds a bit like michael bay's trying to do a fast and the furious film yeah, but I mean, maybe that was the idea. I mean, there's definitely like a requisite amount of explosions and fast cars and, you know, women in bikinis, but... Did it have people going on about family all the time? 
A little bit because they're not. Yeah, there was a bit of that because they will have to fake their own deaths to get in the team. Everyone's so already dead, of... so they have to give up their family. And, and then, then they've they... got a new family. They got a new family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it just there's nothing sincere about Michael Bay. You know that just that stuff is just so cynical. Everything is just an excuse for another thing to explode. So uh, yeah, it was rubbish. You know that when like Vin Diesel or the, or the Rock are talking about the importance of family, they one hundred percent mean it. Yeah, exactly. He ma- he means it. They both mean they it. They mean it. They're deeply sincere people. But yeah. Ryan Reynolds is not a sincere person, so it's odd odd casting in that sense. So yeah, I would say give that give that a bloody miss. Alrighty, and Firewall, mid noughties, uh, Harrison Ford kind of dad thriller. Um, he's like an IT technician hacker guy. Terrible uh, casting. Works, terrible casting. <laughs> works for a bank. He just knows all about like MP3s and uh, dial-up and so on. And um, he, it's like a home invasion thriller in which uh, Paul Bettany is an evil bank man trying to steal from the bank and uh, kidnaps Harrison Ford's family and forces Harrison Ford to find a way in through the security that he designed himself in order to transfer loads of money to an account or something. Um, I kind of enjoyed it, got to say. Thought it was thought it was pretty solid thriller actually of its of its era. It feels like the sort of thing that I would switch onto on ITV too. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's it's more enjoyable now because the sort of technology is so dated and like. I really in- I did really like that aspect of it. I have to say, all the graphics, like all their computer screens, the real web, real web one point stuff. And like his password is only like four characters long, and all this stuff. I do think <laughs> uh, Paul Bettany is brilliant. I always feel like he's he's always turning up for any like nonsense he's in. Paul Bettany. I don't know if he's just he's just good at playing. He exudes a certain amount of intelligence. And it's like I buy you as a sort of Machiavellian genius who's probably plays a little chess and has planned this out perfectly. Obviously, it's going to go wrong because Harrison Ford, a man who looks like he's never seen a computer in his life, let alone what you know works for them for a living, is going to thwart him. But yeah, I don't know. And I had like sort of pleasingly like Chekhov's you know, whatever, plot points. There was, like, a few of them. Like, in the opening scene, it's like, oh, is your remote control car, son? It's on the wrong channel. It's like, can't wait for that to pay off in about an hour's time. Uh, make, make sure you don't eat that because of your peanut allergy. <laughs> if it, oh, God, he's uh, yeah. uh But, yeah, a uh, lot, of, lot of fun. And, yeah, you know, Harrison Ford, I miss these types of movies he makes. It's just, you know, looking for his family, protecting his family. To me, honestly, I felt like he was more involved in Firewall than he was in the Star Wars movies, the recent ones. Yeah, I he agree. seemed pretty checked out as as uh, as uh, Han Solo in the latest installments. However, as the IT hacker bank manager, he seemed much like he really cared about his like you know his wife and kids. Where's my wife? Where's my family? Let my family go. Let my wife go. <laughs> Um, he, he, he does like to look to ask after his wife and family in films when they've been uh, kidnapped or, or otherwise under threat. Yeah. And, uh, and that's cause he's good. He sells that. He sells that, um, that danger, the peril. He's a, he's a bloody national treasure, isn't he? I mean, also as a man who is, uh, you know, getting on in years and is therefore no longer a natural kind of action guy on the screen. There is something that was believable about him being this bank manager type who's pushed to do physical stuff yeah, yeah. or frantic activities, which he would ever otherwise never do. So the kind of like 
as opposed to like the Taken franchise or like um, Sean Penn in the Iceman or whatever, yeah, yeah, where you have these older actors who are supposed to be these total badasses, and it's a bit like, well, you obviously you clearly make a grunting noise when you sit on the sofa. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really buy it. Um, in this film, it he didn't have that kind of disconnect because he really was that guy. Yeah, and so when he was like out there, you know, dashing about trying to push people or. You know, it was there was a believable aspect to, uh, to you know, there was a real sense of tension about whether he's going to pull this off because he's, you know, without like dislocating his knee or something like that. <laughs> uh, and all his like inventive ways of trying to uh, get his family out of danger. And also the family had a bit to do despite being kidnapped victims for the whole movie. They got a little bit of agency. You know, they fought back and so on. So, yeah, I thought, you know, I thought it was perfectly serviceable and perhaps not not really very funny you know i don't know if it, it prompted great bants because it was too kind of fine <laughs> it's quite a competently made film yeah just distinctly but, um, average just straight down the middle a real a real average a real average film an average you know you can be worse than that half of films are statistically so. <laughs> yeah i guess that's true yeah unless there's one really bad one bringing the average down <laughs> just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just one <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Most films are better than average, but yeah. that's because there's a couple of real stinkers. Wasn't there some like Tory minister who said like he wanted to make sure every child was like above average? It's like that's that's impossible. Yeah, that's impossible. Yeah, the, the average would. Uh, it's not how averages work. Ah, mm. uh, what a fool. Well, maybe that's what he meant. He wants to make one child the stupid, so <laughs> stupid that every other child's above average. One real dumbass has to take the hit, so the rest of us can flourish. Yeah. Glorious. Okay. All right, Danny. Any more? Any more film chat for today? Uh, well, I could chat some more, but what, <laughs> what, what will we chat about next time? <laughs> let's say. Let's save some stuff. Let's save some stuff. Yeah, I need to go away. I need to watch some more art house films, some more disposable films, everything in between. I gotta. I gotta go watch the last two episodes of Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. You gonna try and watch those? I'm gonna try to watch those. Okay. And I'm not. I might make I might make it through. Okay, cool. Without getting distracted, but I'll I'll report back on on how successful I I uh, I do in that attempt. Okay, dude. Well, until that auspicious occasion, you know, take care of yourself. Keep keep washing your hands. You don't stockpile uh, bog roll. Um, don't cough at, cough on OAP's face. You know, just the use. Yeah. I, I I endorsed I endorsed that that message. All right, bye guys. Bye bye. Surprise, my tender oozing blossom. You're looking fabulous today. Is that a new haircut? Come on, tell me it's a new haircut, isn't it? It's got to be a new haircut, new makeup. You've had a lip, you've had a tie, you've had something. Something has been inserted in your skin that makes you look like. Listen, I need a favor. Randall was working late last night out on a scare floor. I really need the key to the door to the truth. Well, isn't that nice? But guess what? You didn't turn in your paperwork last night. You didn't? I... No? This office is now closed. Yeah! 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.